Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. That was my favorite intro of yours, I think. <laughs> all, of all of them? Finally. Yeah, out of all, <laughs> I've been ranking them every episode, and that was the best one. <laughs> on on letterboxd.app. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of, like, unnamed audio files, like, without me. Hi, I'm Brendan Bigley. Yeah. That was a good one. That's my favorite one. We, we, we're coming hot off the heels of, like, 45 minutes of us just talking about <laughs> movies. Big, big uh, cinema head episode uh, today. Yeah, big, uh, this is going to be the Citizen Kane of our show. <laughs> uh, the Citizen Kane of Brendan intros. We were just talking about uh, Xenomorphs. Our, our friends, Dom and Adam, who host uh, Eye of the Duck, they've been doing a, a, a thing all summer called Xenomorph Summer, which if you're a fan of the Alien franchise, you should go listen to those episodes. But Yeah, it's a great time. Talking about Prometheus, a movie I desperately love, and I'm not going to say anything more than that because that's not what this podcast is. But uh, I just want to I want to put the energy out in the world that there are people who like Prometheus as a film. I haven't seen it in 10 years or I guess nine years. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, what, what are we talking about today in the in the realm oh of my video God. games? I'm so excited. Uh, to talk about this so today's a weird episode i'm just gonna say it up front T- today's a weird episode in terms of the things we have to talk about in terms of the energy we're bringing to the table i think uh i've been strange since i woke up i i visited my parents last night which means i had to take allergy medication which means like mm. you know you wake up the next day after taking allergy medication in the evening and uh boy does everything seem strange uh, yeah i had a lot of weird dreams this morning mm. uh i had a dream that like there was a historic event where everyone fell asleep at the same time is that really scary that is scary i mean that sounds like persona <laughs> 3 but yeah more on that later anyway uh <laughs> i think i've been having weird dreams because i recently picked up neo the world ends with you neo twewi neo twewi yeah, <laughs> I, uh, i'm sorry i can't stop saying that <laughs> It's just like ever since ever since I saw that acronym written out once, I just I that's the only way I'll refer to that game. It's not a great acronym because it makes you say twee in your head. Twee-wee. Uh it's really like I think some acronyms have like a like an appeal to the acronym even over the full title. Mm. This is really just because writing out the world ends with you is always a bummer. Like yeah. it's just like too long. Yeah. So twee has to suffice. Uh before I talk about Neo, uh the the new game in I guess the series now, which is which is exciting. I wanted to sort of frame it a little bit with like my experience with the original and uh potentially with the animated series that I watched in one day. Um <laughs> We did talk about this game once on we did, the show. Yeah, actually, I think last summer, last year, they released a Switch port of The World Ends With You. The original game, just Tweewee, no Neo here. Yeah. The original game was on the DS. It was like a 2007, I want to say cult hit. I think it did well. Like, I don't think it was like a ignored game but it wasn't quite in the same spotlight as like other namora property like yeah same same creators kingdom hearts and and character designer and, and one of the many creative voices in final fantasy 7 definitely feels like kingdom hearts in its design uh everyone's got board shorts and like you know everyone looks cool and there's a lot of similarities yeah, in the style yeah really early 2000s street yes. fashion vibe it's it's, <laughs> and it's very interesting yeah there's more of a kind of graffiti style to the world ends with you though which is sort of thematic so that game uh without spoiling it um really cool framing device it's a group of characters who have all passed away so they're essentially ghosts and they're in this uh 
place called the Reapers game uh, where it's I get I think it's actually called the underground. They're in like a parallel yes. dimension of Shibuya where they can't directly interact with people who are still alive, but they can like scan their thoughts and they're playing a game called the Reapers game or like kind of like Battle Royale, like the movie or the book every day. There's like a mission and they have like a certain time to do it. Yeah. And then they, you know, go on to the next day. So I think it lasts a week. And then whoever wins uh, gets brought back to life potentially. So really cool idea. Uh, like yeah. a, that's like a really simple and effective like world to explore. And the thing that made the original uh, worth noting, I played the Switch port of the game. I did not play it on the DS. I think I put in like five or six hours, really liked it and like talked about my time with the opening. And like this is a game that has been really strongly beloved since it came out like i feel like you don't hear about it all the time but kind of like mother three when you do it's like a big deal like yes people fucking love these games yeah yeah. i i kind of even got that from the early hours the thing about the switch port is that it's like fine but this game was so intended to be played on the ds that you kind of lose that a little bit like i think it works as well as it can but i actually after that episode a number of people reached out to me being like cool but like really play the ds version because like that's like the way to play it. I yeah. mean, it's worth noting without, that- without betraying the 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 energy of our podcast. Uh, I downloaded the Switch port after we talked about it, and like did not enjoy playing it with that control scheme at all. Yeah, and I I was very into the story. I thought I thought as you have already mentioned that very like basic plot structure is really compelling. Um, and all the characters immediately I, I think just are these like really bright shining stars, and you can tell like very quickly why people love that game. But I I think. Like you, if I was ever to go play that game again, I would or like try to do it. I would go play the DS version, uh, yeah. which is what I've been considering for a long while until uh, a recent development that you and I both learned about. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I'll get to it in a second. But I think just touching on why the DS version is the way to play it. The combat in the original is uh, it's all about the stylus. So yeah. like on one screen on the DS, you either tap like hold or slash in a direction and that will do a different attack and you're essentially controlling two characters at once which i think aids the theme of the game mechanically we're like right really like subtract all the rules and world building of the original that game is really about like opening up as a person you know Mm -hmm. to put it as simply as possible which sounds corny but it's really deserved like that character is very much a holden caulfield type character who is 17 and doesn't trust anybody and literally wears headphones to like cut himself off from the rest of the world yeah and the whole game is like the transition to becoming a more open person and realizing like that's like what life is about essentially yeah Uh, it's really simple but it's like it's so well done and as you alluded to earlier, uh, recently, I think this past April, they released an anime kind of in anticipation of promoting the sequel, which is now coming out like almost two decades later, which is wild. Yeah, really strange. But there's a 12 episode anime on Hulu that kind of covers the events of the first game. So if you're like, I don't know if I want to play the Switch port because the controls are weird. And I also don't know if I want to go to a retro store and buy a DS game for X hundred dollars. Why don't I start a subscription with Hulu uh, and and watch this show? Or Funimation. It's also available there. I'll say that, like, I feel like I'm usually pretty skeptical of, like, tie-in animes like this. They tend to be produced pretty cheaply. Like, 
sometimes it can just feel like they made it for the sake of like making a commercial for the thing. Yeah. I'll Are say you thinking that, about Persona? Is that what you're thinking about? Uh, I haven't watched it, so I can't speak to that. But I just feel like a lot of t- like any big IP, there's like usually an animated to go alongside with it. And yeah. I don't know if it's like worth watching always. Yeah. I'm always skeptical, maybe wrongfully so, but. In this case, like I was like, okay, I feel like I'm in weirdly the perfect demographic to watch this because I played the beginning on Switch and mm-hmm. like one, I already bought the sequel, so like, I kind of want to get caught up with it. Yeah, the creator of the of the game has said that the sequel is more of a sequel to the show than the original game, which I think is interesting. Uh, yeah, kind of a bizarre statement because I think that I think they're largely the same. <laughs> Are they? Okay, <laughs> like a few changes from what I know. I don't know if there's any like big twists or anything, but yeah. maybe he just said that so you watch it, which is what I. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it's also like I'm really I, I love a lot of what uh, Namora makes, but I'm worried about the Namora singularity where like eventually everything is in one game. I just don't want that. Like I've said, my <laughs> biggest fear is the characters in the Final Fantasy prequel who want to kill chaos showing up in the FF7 remake. <laughs> I probably shouldn't even say that out loud because it will come true the more I say it. The curse of the Aether. You know, yeah. Kingdom Hearts, a crossover that worked well despite all odds. We don't need more. I don't need more like IP fests. Like Just like let things exist in their own place, yeah. you know? Unless it really warrants it. Otherwise, let things be. I don't need Iron Giant and Smash Brothers. Let me let me be at peace. Well, wait a second. Well, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> wait a second. Uh, so I watched it. And I'll say this. Uh, I think that the, the biggest complaint I have with it is that it's like kind of rushed, especially the first like three episodes feel like, okay, this is an abridged version of the series, which essentially is what it is. And that's like the intent of this show is to like catch you up. So like, yeah, it can never really escape that. The first episode by itself is like five hours of video game. Yeah, right. The first episode covers everything I played. Yeah. Uh, which is and it's 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've watched the first two episodes, I guess, just to say that out loud. It really picks up in the fourth episode, which is the second week of the game. Um, and there, the second there, week of the one week long game, dear listener. Well, the second game, yeah, I should say, yeah, without spoiling. Anyway, uh, it's a testament to the source material that like it was so compelling. But I don't know. I had a great time with it. I thought that like if that show was like twenty episodes and they took their time a little bit more, I think that that would be like standalone. Forget the game. Like you can just watch this, and it would be a great anime on its own right. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a little bit of prior knowledge required, but like I had a great time, man. I thought. I I thought that this story was so powerful and life affirming uh, without being too hyperbolic, but like, man, it's just really good. I I really teared up at the finale. I I had a great time with it. So all that to say, I really now want to like play the DS version. That's like on my to-do list. One day I'll get it. I have my 3DS. I can easily play it. As long as the game isn't, you know, hundreds of dollars, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll find a way. So love the show. Would recommend. uh, It's like, you know, four hours in total to like catch up on the events of the story. Yeah. If I had to pitch like the vibe, weirdly, it's like, what if Kingdom Hearts retold the good place? Uh, That's really like... <laughs> how I would describe it. It's it's weirdly covering a lot of the same themes, you know, and I think the the dramatic irony of the entire game is like all these characters are learning and changing and growing, but they're already dead. So there's like this kind of really static sadness to the whole thing. We're mm-hmm. like they're talking about what they want to do with their lives and you're seeing the protagonist like become a good person 
and 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 by extension of that you end up really rooting for them to win because you're like this person deserves a second chance you know like they can't just you know and then the stakes are if you lose you're erased which like your fate is kind of ambiguous at that point yeah so i don't know i thought it was really cool i i can see the hype and i want to play the game because i think the thing you miss with the anime is like there are a lot of moments even in the early hours where like you'll just be walking around shibuya and the music is like so atmospheric and like creating a vibe and like the kind of like slow lesson the game is teaching where it's like you're becoming a better person not just because you're like battling alongside these people but you're like spending time with them like you would if you were still alive you're like eating together yeah and buying clothes and just like enjoying the city the same way the people who are alive are and like eventually maybe even helping people by like influencing their thoughts by you know uh there's a whole element of like battling negative emotions which is almost persona 5-esque yeah anyway did all that and now i got the sequel neo twee uh or neo the world ends with you which is so much better than twee <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i have played i want to say about as much of the sequel as i have of the switch port so like okay five six hours and yeah. i would say my elevator pitch is if the original game is the good place this game is bill and ted's bogus journey and i don't mean that as an insult but it is like a very different energy at least in the beginning Okay. You look shocked. I am. I mean, that was a shocking thing you said into a microphone on our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get, to be clear, that was a, I know what you mean. (laughs) I I understand. I, I understand the distinction between the two. Yeah. I bring up that comparison because whereas in the original game, the the intro happens like pretty immediately, like the game gets going right away. Like it, within the first few minutes, uh, Neku has to form a pact with Shiki and like the rules of the game are explained and you just like get going like yeah. right away. Right. Um, in this game, I played it for five hours and four of those are the two leads still not sure they're dead, even though they've been repeatedly told that they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that someone will say you're dead and then they'll go, dude, are we really dead? And then it cuts to a flashback of like the moment that just happened of the person saying you're dead. And they're like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I can't text anyone. <laughs> Which, like, was infuriating at first, but then I wondered if it was by design or not. But either way, like, eventually, like, a a light switch went off in my brain where I was like, I'm kind of into this, like, very chaotic, like himbo energy going on yeah um (laughs) so the differences in the game so far like they've stayed pretty true to the original design so like the character design and the art style is still very much like the graffiti inspired vibe with like the thick kind of outlines of the characters and now it's on the ps4 on the switch as well i'm playing it on the ps5 oh really yeah why ps5 over switch out of curiosity uh, I saw some reviews say that there are like some performance hiccups with the Switch. Mm. Although that being said, I think that this type of game is good for the Switch because like a lot of it is is sort of visual novel-y. Yeah. And like, you know, the original game was handheld. So like it has that benefit to it because, um, you know, you're reading a lot of dialogue. And like even when this time you have more of like a fully rendered 3D environment to explore, but it's still kind of 
designed to feel like the original where there's sort of like very like clear paths you can take and like Mm. the camera stays pretty fixed on you. It took me a while to get used to. I found it a little bit disorienting at first because there's sort of like a, almost like a fisheye lens on you as you explore Shibuya. So like all the buildings are kind of like warping to your perspective. So I found it a little bit disorienting at first, but it's grown on me. So the game is like you start out uh, as uh, Rindo and Fret. Uh, his his best friend, who's like Great. a less toxic Sylvain, basically. Uh, and they don't know they're dead. They're asking a lot of questions, which is great because I just watched the anime to catch up. I know what's going on. <laughs> and these two guys can't figure it out. Uh, they're joined by one of the former antagonists of the first game, which is kind of fun. Oh, cool. And his whole vibe is that he loves referencing numbers. So he's like, I don't have time for insignificant integers. It's like, oh, my God, this right. is somehow working. Sure, despite yeah. all odds. Yeah. Uh, so he's like. It's really comic gold because they have no clue what's happening for hours and he'll just show up and say nonsense and then walk away mysteriously. And they're like, I hope he comes back because he's pretty strong. (laughs) Um, So I I will say, like, it's a pretty rough start. There was like a solid hour or two where I was like, oh, man, is this bad? Like, this feels bad. Mm, Like, mm. there's a lot of tutorials. Yeah. The first thing you do is like a really lame puzzle. And like, that's still kind of present throughout. Um, And even the combat right away feels a little off because it's a similar system. So they kept the pin system from the first game. But how it works this time is like every character is mapped to one button um, and there's like a cooldown. So like that's nice. You'll be mashing like square and, you know, one character will be attacking. And then like once that's up, you switch to the next one. And there's like kind of a arcadey score chase to like switching at the right time. And then you're building up a meter that like almost kind of like persona will do like an all out attack. Mm. It feels kind of weird once you only have one or two characters. But once you have three and then eventually four it's actually really fun. I really like the combat in this game. It feels like they've kind of made like an arcadey double dragon version of FF7 remake where it's like take out all the like intricacy and just make it one button. And what really helps is that there's so much customization with like what each character's pin is. So like some pins will be like a flurry of punches. Some pins will be like a sword. Um, right now I have two characters who uh, one pin is like an attack from above, almost like Scarlet Nexus, where they'll just grab a thing nearby and like dump it on their head. Yeah. And then another one is from below. So like there's a lot of incentive to switch around who has what pin. And like that is really fun. And what I also really like is that the way random battles work is you have to scan the environment like for noise, essentially, which will be like personified as like a kind of like graffiti. I'm not sure what the symbols are referencing, but there are these sort of red symbols floating around and uh, noise are the enemies, by the way, dear listener. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, noise, the enemies and almost like the dimension in Fantasia, you can like collect a bunch of noise within a certain time frame and then fight them like all at once. Oh, I love that. I think is really fun because like, I think the loop of the game that I'm really enjoying is like getting into like a string of battles and almost weirdly like the battles begin with like a note for note like tony hawk record scratch sound so like <laughs> there's almost like a very again like arcadey score chase element to the battles where it's like okay how efficient can i be here and you know mm-hmm. you'll get a rating at the end which will determine like how much cool stuff you get on top of that you can buy clothing at stores that like influences your stats and might give you other sort of passive benefits or moves and similar to like yakuza you can go out to eat 
and like that will uh, there's a hunger meter um so you can have a meal together as a party but that will actually give you permanent stat upgrades so like there's a really interesting like loop there between like fighting getting clothes and going out to eat that's like really fun and like i have actually halted the story progression just to keep doing that in the area i'm in Mm. because like i don't have like it's not super easy to get a lot of money like i don't have enough money to like feed my party of four yet right (laughs) uh so i've just been like getting into a lot of battles and like leveling up different pins and when pins level up they evolve into like a different move it's really cool and the music is great the music in the battle is like really fun i read one review that kind of equated this loop to being like a podcast game where it's like you can just like put something on and just like grind and get like cool stuff it it almost has that uh I think you can uh, you brought this up when we talked about Bravely Default 2, where like there's just sort of a grind to the game that you actually enjoy and you're not yeah, like, totally. as invested in everything else. The story picks up the story in the beginning. I was a little worried. It was like not really succeeding in setting up the world well. And like the two characters were asking a lot of questions that like became kind of grating. But but I did find it endearing at a certain point. Cause it, it Then it was like so much time had passed. And I'm like, this has to be a goof because like <laughs> this, it's been like two hours. They should know by now. Really? The point I would encourage anyone who picks it up to play into is you eventually get the third party member who's a girl named Nagi who just like immediately steals the show and like her addition to the main ensemble like really it's like the missing ingredient that Mm. like rises everything else because she reminds me a lot of Futaba from Persona. She's like very geeky and like the way in which you recruit her slight spoilers like opening hour stuff but uh, the main character this is why I another kind of Bill and Ted thing because uh, Rindo, the protagonist, just discovers he can travel through time and like no one like stops to think about like what ramifications will happen or anything. He's like, oh, I can go back a few minutes if I want to. <laughs> so, so like they meet Nagi at this like line that's they're giving out pins of these characters from like a gotcha mobile game that she really likes. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're out of pins and she's like really upset and she won't join their team. So he's like, if I go back like five minutes, maybe I can get a pin before they're sold out and then she'll like us. So he, that's why he travels through time oh to get a pin. And he travels through time like five minutes and he's like, Oh shit, they're still out. Well, I guess they could travel in time again, like another five minutes <laughs> and, like, does that like five times. Times and has to keep re-explaining to Fret why he knows like how to do this. Oh my god! And meanwhile, the ex antagonist is like, "This kid's a genius if he already knows how to do this." And it's like, this is so funny to me. And I don't know if it's intentional. I think it is. I think it has to be. But eventually, you get the pin, and she's like super excited. And then she's like, "Here's my backpack," and it's like full of merch. Like she's talking about so much stuff about this fake game that like speech bubbles are appearing over each other. And like after all that work, after all that time travel, Rindo and Fred are like, maybe we shouldn't join her. She's kind of weird. Which is just, it's so funny. And I think it's like oddly more believable that they wouldn't like right away want to join up, you know? Yeah. But she does join and like she finds out she's dead, but like, and then it's only when she finds out that I realized Fred and Rindo now know that they're dead. Cause she's like, I'm dead. I'm like, yeah, bummer, right? Anyway, we got to go here. (laughs) That's the only actual acknowledgement. There's no time spent like really internalizing what that means, which is like hilarious to me. So all that to say, like, I'm enjoying the characters a lot. I'm enjoying the vibe of the world a lot. I think that fans of the original will, like, 
be happy to be back in this place. Mm-hmm. So far, the story is like really not. It, it's it's so early that I don't really want to like characterize it too strongly yet. Um, it's definitely a different vibe, and I actually I'm enjoying that it's more lighthearted so far, at least, and that it's like genuinely funny. Like Nagi is genuinely funny when she shows up. Like I've I've cracked up more than once. And yeah. what's kind of cool too is that like Rindo can travel through time. <laughs> cool. Uh, Fret can like jog someone's memory. So like if a character you'll pass people and they like can't remember something or there's one time where there's a reaper guarding a wall that like halts your progression. That's his daydreaming. So to remind him that he has a job to do fret jogs his memory and you have to like manually put these pieces together and Nagi's power is that she can like go into someone's mind and like fight negative emotion. Very persona. Oh yeah. Uh, That's very so brain punk. It's this game is very brain punk. I, I, I just okay. will say that for the record. Brain punk summer. So yeah, it sounds like a mixed bag. I would recommend it. I would say that I don't think this game is gonna make like new fans of the series. I also don't think at least in its opening hours, it's really at all like the original. The original had like a very strong sense of sadness throughout it and like really was like a very focused coming of age story. This feels like a sequel in a lot of ways, for better and for worse, where mm-hmm. like it's, you know, a new group of characters in the same world. I imagine there will be, you know, more like grounded beats in the story later on. I imagine by the end, I'll feel really endeared to the characters. The review, the reviews have been mostly positive. Like I've seen it kind of lukewarm. Like it's, you know, some people think it's like, okay, like this is a good game on its own. Right. But it's nowhere near the original. Some people think it's like a really deserving sequel. Um, So I would say if you're a fan of the original, like make up your own mind about it. Uh, It's definitely a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying playing it. I could also see though, like the thing about the original game, at least from the anime that I watched is that I don't think it really needed a sequel because the story wraps up pretty nicely and is like really life affirming. That's kind of what I've heard about it. in a lot of discussions is like the, the, the way that the first one wraps up makes the idea of a sequel at all very strange. But the fact that the sequel is coming this much later after the release of the original like means there has to be something compelling in there somewhere probably yeah I, but who I knows think, where it is i guess yeah, who knows? It seems, sounds like you haven't hit it yet uh but but i think you will eventually yeah i mean I'm, I'm gonna keep playing it i i really enjoy the gameplay of it which is almost an inverse of my experience with the first one on switch mm. is like, yeah, I was there for the story here. I'll be honest. I'm skipping a lot of the scenes. Like I'll put that out there, which is not like me to do, but like, yeah, you'll be walking around and there will be dialogue that pops up like between characters that I'll usually read, but a lot of times I'll be like wanting to grind or like on my way somewhere and looking at the map and that like weirdly gets in the way of that. So it's a different game despite being in the same place and, you know, kind of being a more modern version of like the DS mechanics. Mm. I'll just say like, it's, it's solid. Like it's a really fun time. And I think that like, I think that a lot of people will enjoy that loop. I mentioned as, as much as I do. Um, and yeah. Nagi is the star of the experience. She's incredible. <laughs> so Neo Twewi. Neo Twewi. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I th- so I'm going to finish watching the anime. Uh, I wanted to do that before we recorded, but I was out literally from morning to night yesterday. So I didn't have any time to continue watching. But I've watched the first two episodes and I agree the pacing is a little like rough. Uh, it, at least, you know, it's expedited. But I am going to finish watching it because even just like aesthetically, that show looks like you would want a, oh, yeah. a Twewi anime to look. Uh, <laughs> the production know, it, value is really good. Like the music and the look of it is great. 
Yeah. Animation wise, really wonderful. The art style, you know, is exactly what it was in the in the original game. So there's definitely a lot to like there. Um, and I think based on how I feel at the end of that will kind of be my deciding factor for if I pick up Neo or not. Um, yeah. Because I, 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 I know I'm going to like that story. Um, and I guess the question is, like, do I want more of it? Do I want a continuation of it? Um, and, I, you know, come back and tell me again how you feel about it later. But that said, I mean, the other game that I'm like kind of maybe unfair to compare the two, because I mean, they're really not that similar, but I'm really like deciding between this or Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is kind of the mm, other one. It's like they yeah. both came out the same day. Just like eh. I, I kind of want both a little bit, but I, I, I need to I need to stew in my in my thoughts a little <laughs> bit about it. You know, I definitely want to pick up Ace Attorney. That that weirdly feels more like a fall experience to me. So I'm like waiting. I feel for, that. Like, I know. I, yeah. I understand that. Uh, the leaves the change. Yeah. I couldn't could never put my finger on why. But I do. I do agree with you. It does feel like a this, fall game. This uh, Neo, Tweeweed, very summer, like incredibly it summer like, energy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the music is almost Splatoon-esque in the battles, which is fun. Oh, great. Yeah. I, th- I think you'd like it. I honestly like, I think this is a game where you could like probably wait for a sale, to be honest, like mm. not to, not to downplay it, but like Square Enix is fine financially. Like, <laughs> you know, this is not like a, like there are games where it's like, oh, I really want people to support this to like get a sequel or like to support a smaller team. Like Square Enix is fine. Um, so like, you can wait on it. And I'm actually very curious to see how like big fans of the original feel about it because like yeah i'm kind of in a weird middle ground where like i didn't have that like because the original came out like when we were in high school like there is a close reality where i played that game at 17 and, and like fucked my whole world up like, that could have <laughs> happened yeah and i probably feel very differently about the sequel with that but the reason i picked it up was i, I saw enough people who i follow on twitter who like are big fans of the original be like the sequel rules i'm like okay cool i, I trust that i want to yeah experience it for myself so totally i'll give an update as i get further in if if i feel like the story picks up i'll let you know that being said again i'm enjoying now that like nagi's on board and now that i feel like the things i'm laughing at are more intentional (laughs) i'm enjoying that vibe i think that that's actually a good direction to go in because like i think a bigger mistake would be to make another holden caulfield protagonist you know like i think it's actually yeah no i totally agree yeah yeah. no as soon as you said that like the protagonist or the protagonist and his friend are like maybe idiots i was was like (laughs) honestly great yeah great gear shift from the first one uh really interesting i kept thinking i'm like this reminds me a lot of bill and ted's milk his journey and i watched the trailer of that movie just to compare and at one point the reaper is like i'll bring you back to life if you fight me and he's like you're on dude i'm like that's the game that's just <laughs> the world ends with you. uh so yeah uh that's all I got for now. Maybe an update soon. Cool. That's Neo cool. Twewi. It's available on multiple <laughs> platforms. You want to take yeah. a break and come back and uh, talk about our, our guilty pleasures? Oh, my God. Yeah, this is a weird episode. You're right. Let's take a break, though. I might need a drink. Goodbye. Bye. Steven, we're back. Hi. Before the break, I used the words guilty pleasures very intentionally because you and I have been on record as saying guilty pleasures. Maybe not maybe not our favorite phrases, but uh, you and I, whenever we talk about the fact that we're both like neck deep in the MOBA world, uh, <laughs> whenever we, we like text each other about it, it's always with this hint of like, I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> Yeah, I think I sent you a screenshot of a Wild Rift match where I was uh, VIP and it said eight win streak. And I said, help. You said, help me. Right. And I was actually in the middle of driving in a tunnel. And uh, when I when I received that message and I was like, I just I just saw help me. And I was like, oh, God, I hope Steven's okay." And I and I I, uh, had had my partner open up the the photo. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, it's Wild Rift. Yeah. uh, So I know you've been playing more Pokemon Unite. I have. 
been playing wild rift has been a pretty like a consistent thing like i feel like with guilty gear there's a, a competitive drive in mm-hmm. me to like want to get pretty good at it i'm on the 10th floor i didn't even say that i strained recently and i'm on the 10th floor thank you thank yes you, thank you Very anyway good. that exists there i'm not really like the minute i actually learn the like meta of of wild earth is where i'll probably lose all interest like the minute <laughs> someone's like you should actually wait 0.9 seconds later before like i don't know now i'm done yeah uh so i actually enjoy it as like just a pure like layman's quest in the morning again because matches are short which i think is kind of the key to like broadening the audience for this genre is like uh i mean wild rift matches can be like a half hour 40 minutes tops but usually are like 20, 30 and like it's nice just to get in like a match or two like in sort of fleeting moments in the day. It's been fun. And recently there was a big update to Wild Rift that is <laughs> kind of interesting because I think it like weirdly is the cosmic opposite of like a lot of the critiques of uh, of Pokemon Unite where in recent update they did some cool things like I think they did something to strengthen the connection of matches at the cost of draining your battery a little bit more but like that's happening i never really noticed like a lack of connection on my end at least but that's cool that it exists uh they also like did a big patch where you know there are new heroes and all that kind of stuff but um they made the rate of acquiring uh there there are two currencies in wild rift one is like for cosmetics and stuff and one is for unlocking new heroes and they made getting that currency way faster which honestly is pretty good because like i would say in a game like wild rift or even pokemon unite you'll probably find like three or four characters you like and want to play but there's really no desire to like get everyone like you don't need everyone once you like find your group you want yeah and wild rift is very generous in the beginning i i will say for the record uh and again this is where the guilty pleasure really is boldened (laughs) i played i think 300 matches of wild rift uh which i think if you did the math is probably like 80 hours so like (laughs) i played a pretty good amount of it i'm almost platinum in ranked play and i have about half the cast which when you say that out loud it's like okay that's actually not great like i should have everyone based on how much i played yeah so at a certain point the rate of acquiring that currency was pretty slow but now it's like dramatically faster like i was able to get enough in like a day to unlock somebody new which like again doesn't really it's not really a factor for me because i'm not really looking to learn a new character but it is nice that that exists because like it would just be better if you've been curious about playing that game now is probably the time because that's way easier and also um in ranked matches it's easier to progress the ladder it used to be that like like for instance if you were going from silver to gold right when you were on the border you would have to do like a uh three wins three like you would have to win three more times to like win the promotion uh if you were between silver and gold now it's like if you win you just move on there's Mm -hmm. no like halting that process which i think is good i just because i think it's like there's still a lot to critique about that game's monetization but like it really is all cosmetic and they've actually like sanded some edges off to make it like easier to progress in like a normal way which i think is cool yeah i on the Pokemon Unite end, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, at least based on how my experience has gone so far, the old way that it used to work in Wild Rift to progress ranks is how it works in Pokemon Unite currently. So, like, if you're, you know, playing some matches and you lose one, like, you might go down a rank immediately, which I'm not a huge fan of. I like the idea of, like, climbing up to a certain point. I think, honestly, one of the games that does it 
best that I, I hate to even shout it out considering everything that's going on in that company right now is, is Hearthstone, which essentially you work your way up a rank until you hit a certain point. And when you hit that point, that's when it's like wins and losses will start to affect it. But for the most part, it's just like kind of a gentle climb to the top as long as you're continuing to play ranked mode in that game. I kind of wish that's how Pokemon Unite worked because again, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, it's a, it's a game aimed at children, you know? And like the idea of, you know, making your way up this ranked ladder and then going down because you lost a match for something that like maybe actually wasn't your fault, you know, regardless of, you know, if you're like fully fucking tilted playing that game, angry as hell, you know, because it's a MOBA <laughs> and people get competitive about it or whatever. Like sometimes it actually isn't your fault. And like if that happens, you know, if somebody disconnects because there doesn't seem to be any like there's like a little bit of uh like awareness on the game's end of if a person is like disconnected or idling or whatever, you know, if that happens and that's the reason you lose and you go down a rank because of that, it's like that sucks. That's like just a bad feeling. It's like, OK, I just spent some time playing this game and it didn't pay off like literally at all. But anyway, that besides the point, I mean, I, I, I have played just so much of this game over the past <laughs> week since we last recorded. I've, I've played every day. I've logged in every day and done all the dailies every day. I still am really only playing as two characters, which is Pikachu and then Cramorant, who I unlocked, uh, who is really just like Pikachu, but better, which is like a very silly thing to say about a bird that looks that fucking stupid. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, Cramorant just like rules. Like what a silly character to put in that game and how even sillier it is to have them be like probably like top tier, like one of the best characters. in the game. <laughs> I do think, though, that, you know, I, I, I went in because just playing this game being like, oh, wow, I kind of get MOBAs like I'm, I'm getting like I'm learning a little bit about the strategies you're supposed to employ. Like I'm actually learning some of the terminology like lanes and jungle and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go back to Wild Rift and like give that another shot, like really like see what's going on. And I went through the whole tutorial again. Like I played through all of the tutorial a second time uh, to like kind of reacclimate myself with that game. And on the other end of that tutorial, I was faced with the same problem that I realized was the reason I didn't play it the first time, which is just the huge cast of characters. I don't really know sure. who is who, why I would like them. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's as much as, you know, th- there's really wonderful art direction going on in terms of the designs of those characters. So many of them look so similar and play yeah. in such different ways that it's hard to tell at a glance, like how a person would play or like how a character would play in match. And that's one of the things, one of the biggest strengths I think Pokemon Unite has is like, if you have a cursory understanding of sure. Pokemon, you have a pretty good idea of how that character is going to play before you even sit down and like check them out. Like Slowbro, for example, is a very like, you know, it's a character that I, I think is pretty easy to pick up. And like you run around, you shoot water out of your mouth and every once in a while you do like a psychic thing, you know, and the psychic I love thing. when he does psychic moves. It's so funny. He like yeah. holds one hand to his head. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you can just lift another uh, character in the air and just let the rest of your team like beat the shit out of them while they're like levitated, which is really fun. I think Snorlax is another one that's like you can tell like exactly how Snorlax would play if you've ever seen a Snorlax before, which is like he kind of like waddles around and uh, it just, you know, takes hits for people, essentially, you know, right. he, he just exists Tank, to yeah. essentially get like walloped. Um, and, and I think <laughs> taking Pokemon and matching them up to those classic like tank DPS, like jungle, you know, what like ranged attacker kind of idea is so smart. You know, like we, we talked sure. a little bit last week about how this game really does just kind of like fit in a way uh, that some other Pokemon spinoffs don't. I think that this is this is a game that like actually just make like I, I think a MOBA and maybe like a Super Smash Brothers kind of thing that was just Pokemon like those kinds of things make sense to me because of the way, you know, battling has been. 
been, uh, you know, a, a core tenant of the Pokemon IP for so long. You just have this like innate understanding of how these things work. And I think that's one of the reasons it makes it so easy to pick up is there isn't that like confusion about who do I pick up and try? Yeah, they're all fun to play as in their own different ways. It's just like who actually feels the best to you personally. Right. I'll, I'll add one little caveat to that. I'm not sure this is the case in Pokemon Unite, but in Wild Rift, you can actually even for heroes you haven't unlocked yet, you can practice as them. So yeah. like you can load up into a map. But like you said, there's still that barrier of like you're not going to know how they play until you've like hit practice. Yeah. And that's uh, whereas the thing, Charizard, I, you kind of get the picture already. Yeah. When I w- when I went into Wild Rift again, I did go into practice mode and like just started making my way through the list. And I was like, there's so many fucking characters. here. Like, this is not <laughs> this is not the way for me to do it. And then I, I started yeah. going into like, OK, I'm only playing as ranged attackers in Pokemon right. Unite. Like maybe I should find ranged attackers in Wild Rift and like try them. And that kind of got me closer to the characters I think I would want to play as if I got back into that game. But again, I'm really just playing Pokemon Unite right now. And and that that game is going to come out on mobile, um, I think at the end of this month or the beginning of next month. And like, I think that's just going to be it for me. <laughs> I, I still sense. do. I still do have my my issues with the monetization stuff there. Yeah, we were talking about this yeah. a little bit before the show. But like, as we mentioned last week, um, you can hold I- your characters can hold items uh, and those items can be upgraded, you know, using like an in-game currency that you could just straight up buy. And because of that, that means that like, you know, if a Pikachu who is free to play goes up against a Pikachu who is like who is paid to upgrade all the held items. Pikachu, who has upgraded all the held items, is going to win almost every time. Um, and yeah. that's even in ranked mode, which is, I think, where my my issue lies, because they have three modes in the, in the game. One of them is a standard match, which is just like kind of ranked. They kind of try and put you against people who are, you know, on your level or whatever. Um, but it's just kind of like a free play. All the matches are 10 minutes, which is really wonderful. There's ranked mode, which is the same thing. But, you know, what you would expect, it's ranked. You're climbing ladders and whatever. And then there's a thing called quick match, which is a five minute match that takes place on a much smaller map. It's either three on three or four on four, depending on how big the map is. And is really just kind of like a get in and get out. Like, I just wanted to play some Pokemon Unite today kind of thing. And I feel like if you're going to have the held item advantage thing like standard and quick match feels like a an okay place for that but ranked mode does not feel okay like if my my thing about the longevity of this game isn't about like me as a player but i'm i'm even thinking like you know fucking tencent and the pokemon company nintendo probably want this to be like an esport they probably want there to be a competitive community around this game sure and that just like can't exist in the current monetization form and and i think it's like kind of shooting themselves in the foot like if this game dies in six months that's why it'll happen you know yeah and i mean even uh, like the held items is the biggest kind of sin of the game but like i hadn't played it since we talked about it last week and then this morning I, i got in some matches and like even just like navigating the menus like it really I, I really tried to take a step back because I feel like I, I saw a lot of discussion about this game and a lot of like a lot of articles you know there was that video of the streamer paying a hundred dollars and just like steamrolling the competition hmm. a lot of really disheartening stuff but I wanted to go back and play it again and like really get my own view of it and like even just navigating the menus and seeing like okay like if I wanted to buy like a like a sunglasses or like a weird suit for my Mr. Mime which I don't have yet, but one day I want to buy a suit for Mr. Mime. It's like 15,000 fashion tickets, which is like, I'm never going to get that. The rate of acquisition is so slow that even stuff that like, 
you know, is okay. Yes, it's cosmetic, but it's like that uh, eventually someone's going to fold and just spend money, which again is like, that is the design of all these games. I think at this point we all know like how free to play games operate and we all know like the strategies that are there. And obviously the, the sickening thing is that it's a lot easier for some people to avoid that than others who might have like an actual disease that makes them more compelled to spend more money, uh, which is a whole other conversation. But like, that's really the like really unforgivable part of a lot of this. But it's just like, it just feels like the, the thing is that they're doing everything. And that's that's the big thing. It's like there's the health item, pay to win stuff. And then there's like a gotcha machine and a Fortnite. You open the game and there's like, here are all the things you can't buy yet. As you said earlier, <laughs> there's like they're doing every possible tactic that the initial feeling I get when I just turn the game on is like disgust, which really bums me out because I think the biggest disappointing thing is that the actual game is fun to play, you know, and like it's been really cool to see what F2P stands for. <laughs> I had to say a quick prayer there. Um <laughs> it's it's been fun to see that like in the Discord in the Pokemon channel, a lot of people are like sharing like how matches went. And like that's like the fun of a MOBA. So like, you know, I I think that if and they recently released that survey where it's to give us feedback on what's happening. I, I really hope that like they respond to at least some of these elements here. Cause I think that like most people I know who have played it like it and want to see it like live on. So I think that there's a way if they like cut out some of the stuff and again, I'm not optimistic they will, but I think that there are some changes they can make that will like reduce that uh, some of the predatory angles of this. Cause that's really like, it's just a bummer, like in every way. Yeah. <laughs> and it's inescapable. Like at least, again, I, I really, this is the second week now that I'm using Wild Rift as a positive example. <laughs> but at least in that, like in the recent update, they even removed the like, you no longer have to like open another menu to check off the daily rewards. They just give those to you, which is like an angle removed that like kind of makes it a predatory experience, you know? Like mm-hmm. I, I think that the Pokemon company is doing fine financially. This just feels like greed incarnate as a kid. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't, I don't mean to be a bummer, but it just like, it's very hard for me to get into this game. And I know that it's hypocritical given that like, there's so much to critique about just this genre in general and free to play models in general. But like, it really, I really wanted to try to take an objective step back and be like, Pokemon Unite isn't the worst example of it, but I think it actually might be. It's pretty close to it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. They're doing everything. Yeah. yeah, I've played this game in like almost every free moment I've had in the past week um, and <laughs> yeah. even still I'm like you know I'm, I'm not like stoked about the way the monetization works I haven't spent any money on it I don't really plan to either um, yeah. but all that said I mean I, I really am taking this game as like a enjoy it while you can kind yeah, of experience absolutely. which like I'm you know if they go in and they tweak some stuff or make it a little bit better or like add a game mode that doesn't have like a held item like pay to win advantage to it then like maybe I would stick around because they've already added a new character they added Gardevoir who's like a really cool uh, really cool addition I think so far yeah um, I think we already know that Blastoise is coming soon because Blastoise was in like one of the beta tests or whatever so like they're continuing to release new characters. I imagine they're going to release new maps and I'm interested in checking all that out. And I'm really having a fucking good time, like learning how to play this game and, and continuing sure. to play this game um, yeah. and like climbing the the ranked ladder and, and learning how to play as Cramorant uh, has been really fun. <laughs> I, I don't know. There, there's a there's a lot to say about the actual like gameplay side of this that I think is like mostly positive. And it sucks that there's like just the world's biggest asterisk on it. Yeah. 
That's kind of uh, around that. Yeah. I will. I, I just out of curiosity, have you have you had? Uh, I think the biggest like gameplay conversation that people have had recently is this. Uh, this like reliance on Zapdos as as one of the like decide maybe not even one of but like the deciding factor of the game. Have you run into that at all yet? I haven't played enough matches to notice that, um, but I have seen in the Discord, like a lot of people have shown, like there's a graph of every match and it shows like the team's score. And it's like, (laughs) it's like you could be like on the bottom and then as soon as you get Zapdos, it's like, then you win. Like it really is like, which is kind of interesting that, you know, a lot of the pressure of the match is in the last two minutes where like. I found it really interesting. So, so. Just to be clear, the, the matches are 10 minutes if you play standard or ranked. Uh, the matches are 10 minutes, flat 10 minute timer on it. it. It'll never go above or below that. And there are different things that happen at different points throughout those 10 minutes that are uh, just kind of set in stone. So uh, after, I think, two or three minutes, there's uh, like a mob that shows up on the top and bottom of the screen that, you know, the top laners and bottom laners go after and gives you a fucking buff, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But in the last two <laughs> minutes of the game, um, Zapdos shows up. Zapdos being the big electric bird uh, shows up in the middle uh, is, you know, hard to take down. You got to kind of coordinate your team around it, whatever. But the whole deal is when you get Zapdos, it makes it so the other team's goals uh, don't have any timer that you would need to like uh, activate to be able to score points. So as, as we mentioned last week, the whole thing is about collecting points and then dunking them in the enemy's baskets. Um, and when you go to an enemy basket, depending on how many points you have on you, you have to hold the X button down for a longer period of time to be able to dunk those in. And if you get hit by an enemy at any point while you're charging that up, it cancels it out and then you're just in a fight, essentially. And getting Zapdos means that that timer is gone. And also in the last two minutes of the game, all the points are doubled. Uh, so if you get Zapdos and you're just fucking dunking points on baskets that don't have any uh, charge up timers at all you can get like three to four hundred points within the last two minutes and that'll change the whole course of the game even if you played like shit the whole time i played i played one match recently where pretty much everyone on my team had like a full bounty of points that we were just holding on to and not scoring and then took zapdos and scored them all double at the end and just like fucking annihilated the other team it was like like literally four digit score like we had over a thousand (laughs) they had like I don't know, like 300, 400, you know, something like that. It was like a situation where the pop up kept showing up on screen. It was like, we're really struggling over and over again. It's like you're losing as bad as you could possibly lose. And then right at the end, we were all like, all right. And then just like annihilated. And I understand why people don't like that, I guess, to a certain degree, because it just kind of makes the first eight minutes of a 10 minute match, which is already pretty short. But like it just makes those first eight minutes kind of whatever. Like it doesn't really matter what's going on. I don't know if I agree with that as much. I think that's just a pushback on like the way MOBAs have worked in the past. To me, it feels like just another strategy you have to work around. It's just another way in which Pokemon Unite has differentiated itself. And learning that like, I don't think that Zapdos is the key to victory, but I do think that like knowing that Zapdos can sway victory in those last two minutes is important. You know, there there are ways in which that team could have succeeded, I think, at the end. Uh, But because we were all united... We won. Um, and I, I, I think that that's I think that's a powerful, interesting thing. And it also, you know, if you're playing in standard matches or in like low rank rank matches or whatever with people who, as, as you were saying before we started recording, people who like think it's uh, like an arena battle game uh, where you're just like killing the enemy team and not actually scoring points because you don't really know how how the game functions. You know, having something like that that can sway victory is like a big, exciting, like last two minute push. Like I, I yeah, think totally. it's, it always forgive the pun, but it's like it's electrifying when when. 
when <laughs> Zapdos shows up in the middle, uh, yeah. and and you can actually see your team start to converge there, and you're using the like text prompts uh, to to communicate well. I think it's fun. Sparks will fly in this heated battle. Uh-huh. I think you're right, man. I think that's I think that's why I'm frustrated because I think, and this is another thing we said off the show, where it's, if the whole game just sucked, it'd be so easy to just ignore it. You know, yes. like okay, this is just a cash grab. It's just whatever. But like, there's a lot of cool ideas here for a genre that like a few months ago you and I did not give a shit about, and that's kind <laughs> of like why I enjoy bringing up Wild Rift. Is like I, you know, in doing this show, I'm always looking to like explore genres that I normally don't gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. You know. Something like The World Ends With You, Neo, is something I would probably pick up, given my taste. Yeah. But, like, I've actively not wanted to play a MOBA for years, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now I'm almost playing them. Whoops. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, man, I I think it's a cool game. Um, I I just wish that there was a little bit less going on, specifically because, again, this game has a young audience, and it's, like, really easy to, in Pokemon Unite, when you hit plus, the first menu that's brought up is buy Aos Gems, (laughs) which kind of is is the whole thing in, in a nutshell unfortunately but i mean i was playing early this morning as nine tails doing pretty well and i unlocked like a varsity jacket and like yeah i felt good about that so this fun to be had yeah pokemon unite if you work together sparks will fly in this heated battle yeah three doug trios waiting underground to help you jump <laughs> i love that so much oh, yeah i could talk about this game forever and i'm not gonna <laughs> uh, but anyway i i'm i'm enjoying pokemon Unite. i'm excited for it to come out on mobile i'm really hoping they take that survey into account i'm not yeah. optimistic but if they do it'll mean that i'll probably play this game for a long time yeah i, I think that there are a few tweaks that can make that will really reduce the like really kind of Shinra-esque energy you get from opening it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. When I turn on the game, the music is the like, don't, 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 don't. And hearing that with like Mr. Mime's mustard suit is just a lot to take in. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about things that aren't MOBAs. That felt like more of a confessional than, than even a guilty pleasure section. <laughs> it's like burn some incense. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Hi, I uh, was prepared. I wasn't sure if you were starting or not. There was a lot of suspense there. <laughs> uh, I, I have some. I have some games I want to talk about. Multiple. Come on, spit it out. Two video games available on Xbox Game Pass that I've played on my Xbox Series S video game console. Uh, number one, I'll, I'll just like kind of fly through, ah, uh, pretty quickly. You're full of buzzwords today. I love it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, my, my brain is making links faster than I can (laughs) comprehend them. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the ascent is a game that came out this week on Xbox series S. Uh, it is a game that I'm very interested in playing with you. If you have any interest in checking it out after I've about the vibe, but essentially it's a kind of twin stick shooter game uh that is like a diablo-esque rpg Uh, oh cool the whole thing is that it takes place in this like very dystopic very cyberpunk kind of future uh where you know classic shit corporations own everything whatever 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 right a dystopian future yeah Yeah. i got it (laughs) (laughs) right the future where that happens yeah (laughs) 
you you live on this planet. Uh, you are what's called an indent, which is uh, essentially at, at a certain age, everybody just kind of signs up for a company and they just work for them for a set number of years um, you know, until uh, you get released from your contract or you fucking die. Uh, and your whole deal, as far as I can tell so far in the couple hours that I played so far, is uh, you're just going out on jobs uh, as an indent for a certain company. The beginning of the game essentially is like the collapse of one of there's like, you know, three companies that run the entire galaxy or something, it seems like. Uh, And one of the companies kind of defaults essentially like just runs out of money entirely and uh, creates, you know, galaxy wide turmoil and 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 war and whatever. Wow. And uh, you were an indent for that company. So uh, your life is fucked. And the whole planet that you live on, which was owned by that company, is fucked. Uh, And the other two companies that remain are like going to go to war to like pick up the scraps of that. And you're just kind of like stuck in the middle of that. It's just like a rando. Uh, So you create a character and you just kind of go out and, you know, shoot a bunch of shit uh, with with big guns and, you know, uh, essentially play Diablo like I I have found pretty immediately that I'm not as interested in the uh, actual like overarching story as much as I like a lot of the characters I'm meeting they have like real Star Wars energy about them Uh, like very um, I would say uh, the Mandalorian version of Star Wars kinds of characters that you're running into like the kinds of like people who are giving you jobs are kind of those like you know a a little more like you know seedy like sitting in the the back (laughs) foggy part of a bar kind of guys I always think of that robot on Destiny who's like, you got chunk. I'll buy a chunk. Yeah, like, that's what I think of whenever that's like, kind of the vibe. People yeah. reference bounty hunters or whatever. That that is the energy that that these characters bring to the table, and you just kind of go out and do jobs for characters like that. There's a lot of side quests that you do that are like, oh yeah, go bust into this morgue and go like check this body for me or something. You know, like you know, take take all the money off this body and bring it back to me. Like real like seedy shit. Yeah, which I would normally like not be super into personally if not for the like just like beautiful aesthetic of this game mm. i mean so you and i were talking about this a little bit a couple of days ago when i started playing it and i was just like telling you about what it looks like so th- this is a game made by a pretty small team the studio is called neon giant which is uh kind of an amalgam of a bunch of people who are like industry veterans uh mm. and as much as i would normally not put stock too much stock in that because like you know it's just kind of a marketing term to describe your studio this is a game that really feels like it was made by industry veterans because what Mm. they've managed to accomplish with what I imagine is not a huge budget over the course of however many years they've been making this game is like far beyond what I would expect from like a triple A version of a game like this I mean it these environments are so ridiculously detailed the lighting and art direction is so top notch that I immediately got just like enveloped in in the world of this game in a way that I thought I would not. Because to be totally honest, every time this game has shown up in like an E3 event or like an Xbox event or whatever, I've always been like, that's not for me. Like that is. Yeah, it's a little bit too cyberpunk grungy for me. Like that's it's not exactly my my vibe. Like you and I have talked a lot about like the idea of Fallout versus Elder Scrolls and how like I, I kind of steer away from Fallout because I don't enjoy being in that world because it's so fucking sad. This is equally bleak, but just so stunning to be in and so well realized that I can't help but just like want to continue going back and checking it out yeah. more and more and more. Um, Absolutely. Just every every inch, every corner of this game is like considered and, and directed and authored. Um, and I found that to be really surprising. Like, you know, you and I play a lot of games. You can kind of tell when like things are being reused, assets are being reused, whatever. This is like literally every piece of of the world, of the overworld, which I should mention, it's like, it seems like to me, 
so far, an open world that you can kind of explore however you want. But, you know, certain areas will be a higher level cap. So you'll just get like annihilated if you walk into them uh, and yeah. you're under leveled or whatever. But it seems like every corner of this world like has a story to tell, has a, like a different tone, a different energy to the different cities that you go visit, the different kinds of people that you see in different places, whether they're, you know, associated with a company, whether they're associated with a different company than you, whether they're not associated with a company whatsoever. Um, you know, the, the like different areas that are overrun by like the strange creatures that live on the planet that you're on things like that. I've just found it like really, really compelling. The gameplay is like fun enough. I would say it's probably much harder than it needs to be. Mm. And I'm I'm hoping that there's some kind of like accessibility option that gets thrown out there that like makes the game a little bit easier because I am I have a harder time recommending it to people and will forever, I guess, unless that changes. Because um, I, I, I find that <laughs> so, the... Love the way you said that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have found that the difficulty spike is just a straight wall up at times. Um, yeah. But that said, I've seen a lot of reviews that say the game is built to be played co-op. So you can play online co-op with two people. Uh, you can also play, I think, local multiplayer as well if you have two controllers. Oh, fun. And I've heard that the game is like built from a difficulty perspective to be played by two people simultaneously. I guess kind of like Remnant then, almost. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely like Remnant. Yeah. yeah. So I'm interested in checking out that aspect of it. I will say that like I've still played a bunch by myself. I've just kind of run around, collected money, uh, done side quests, things like that. Um, I haven't pushed the actual plot forward a whole lot. But I am enjoying it a lot. I mean, it's a game that's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass um, and yeah. it's available in your in your region um, and you have an Xbox, like definitely check it out. Even on the Series S, like some of the ray tracing stuff that's going on there is like shocking. It's like a beautiful, beautiful game. My weird complaint, this is not a thing that I would normally touch on if it weren't like actually bad at times. And I it makes me wonder if it's like a bug situation or what. But I have a lot of issues with the sound design where like oh. things are completely out of whack. Like the sound of gunfire is like way louder than dialogue or music or like any kind of environmental sound effects and makes it so I'm like constantly turning my volume up and down at a certain point. I just play the game on mute, uh, which is not how I want to experience a video game, to be totally honest. So it kind of became a podcast game where I would just like pick up a couple side quests, run out into the world and go shoot some stuff and just be listening yeah. to podcasts alongside it. But uh, all that said, I, I think it's um, like a pretty stunning video game and uh i i would recommend at least checking it out and seeing if it's for you because it's like it's pretty cool <laughs> it's a pretty cool video game it sounds great i actually would love to play it with you I'll, especially because on game pass like it's a no-brainer like why not yeah so yeah i maybe we'll do that this coming week i yeah. got time cool let's play Anyway, so that, that that's one game I've been playing. The other one that I've been playing way more that I'm like very interested to talk about because I I personally have had a hard time discussing this game with other people as I've been playing it because like my thoughts around it are so kind of scattered in a way. But it's Microsoft mm. Flight Simulator, which is finally out on consoles. It's like been probably one of my most anticipated games of the year, the console release of this. You know, at any point I could have spent three thousand dollars on a gaming PC and played it in my own home already. <laughs> uh, but you know, didn't I didn't I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it, Dad. <laughs> Um, I don't want to spend $3,000 for custom pedals beneath my <laughs> CPU. I, I I was not into the idea of building a PC just for this game, but I will say it did cross my mind more than once. Um, <laughs> Especially in quarantine, this is like, this is the dream. Yes. Everyone had this dream, I think. I Yeah, I am interested in what it was like to play this game during quarantine specifically, because I'm sure it was like a pretty emotional experience. Because what I'll say yeah. is... 
on on my end playing it on the Xbox Series S, uh, it has still been a pretty emotional experience. I the yeah. way I describe this game to you and AJ after like playing it a little bit and going through the flight training and stuff is like this feels more like a religious experience than anything else. This is um so Microsoft Flight Simulator. If you don't know about it, if you haven't heard about it, if you haven't seen anything about it, first of all, I just recommend like going online and looking at the most like high res video capture of this game you can possibly see because it's like pretty shocking. But the idea is that they have taken the like I think it's Bing Maps. I don't think it's Google Maps, but they've taken like what you would know as a Google Earth view of the entirety of our planet and like thrown it into a video game. So like a full 3D render of everything that is on the entirety of our globe is rendered in this video game uh, and it uses real time weather data and plane data as well. So like if you were to fly over uh, Brooklyn right now at the time of this recording, because right now it looks like it's about to rain, it would look like it's about to rain in the video game as well. Uh, it is wow. constantly funneling in all that data. The clouds are rendered to look like they look like in real life. It is like wild the extent to which they've managed to render the yeah. entirety of like the earth as it exists currently. Uh, you can also like obviously go in and like shift the time if you wanted to like fly over Manhattan at like golden hour. You could do that if you wanted to. Things like that. But uh, for the most part, I mean, the game exists to just kind of like fly around in big or small planes and just kind of like explore things from the ground up. I think it was built for enthusiasts. And that that I think is the biggest differentiator for, about this game to like something like The Ascent or any other game that we're talking about is like this is a game really made, I think, by and for people who are like really 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 into planes um which is you know a whole like subsect of people who are just like very interested in how planes operate the different models of planes things like that um you can you know hop in pretty much any plane that you could possibly imagine take off from any airport uh in uh, in any any parking spot in any airport which i find really interesting you get to like choose which of the which of the runways you want to use when you like pick an airport you can take off and land anywhere like even if, if you have like a seaplane you can like land in the middle of the ocean you could take off in the middle of the ocean oh like, fun they really like if you can think of it it's probably in the video game. I will say if you're a person who's like really, really, really into planes, they do charge you like a shitload of money for all yeah. of those individual planes. There's like a marketplace where they're like charging for like if you want this specific model of plane, it's probably going to cost like 30 or 40 bucks, which, you know, I, I have my issues with. But also if this is your hobby, like, sure, like I, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. Like I, I understand you would want to model the plane that like is your favorite plane and fly over your favorite place in your favorite plane. But what I found my experience being is like after going through the two hours just about of flight school which is really intense because again it's a flight simulator like they are simulating everything <laughs> like you steven you need to learn what all those buttons and knobs and dials mean and do and how to operate them and they're all tracked to different buttons on your controller and you like actually have to like internalize it and learn how it works you need to be listening to the air tower as they're like giving you commands about what like runway you can take off at at one time like how you're taxiing in certain places uh you need to like have really 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 precise movements with all of the analog sticks or else your plane is just going to rip itself apart in the middle of the air because you <laughs> oh like pulled God. up too hard it is like actually difficult uh there yeah. is a there is a pretty steep learning curve in this game um they do have a mode right when you hop in that that's just called discovery flights which like it's just like okay we're just gonna put you in a plane that's already in the air flying over mount everest uh and you don't even really have to press any buttons you could just like hang out and just like let the plane fly itself we've like kind of tuned everything in so you can just fly in pretty much a straight line and you're gonna be fine you're gonna have an enjoyable microsoft flight simulator experience <laughs> but if you wanted to yeah. you could do the th- kinds of things that i did which is like i 
hopped in a like a 747 in Orlando International Airport and flew to JFK in New York City, uh, which is, you know, a pretty long flight. And I listened to a podcast the whole way. And like I kept myself in like manual control for most of the way and just kind of like let that happen uh, for a couple hours. Does it take as long as it would to fly there? Like, would it be that? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is real time. The whole thing is real time. Um, It took a long time, but I was like, I just kind of wanted to prove to myself that I could do it in a way that I had like actually internalized all of those controls. But what I what I found in the experience of doing that and and some of the other things I've tried doing, like obviously flying over my house currently, flying over my previous house, my my childhood home. I flew over Chicago and was like, hi, Stephen. Um, (laughs) I felt you at somewhere in the sky. I don't I don't know how to describe it fully. I guess. Um, but but there are there are two major like emotional philosophical takeaways I have from playing this game. The first of which is there's this idea that I've seen described many times. I mean, it's almost like a part of pop culture at this point. Uh, it's in an LCD sound system song. So like it's it's pretty like ingrained. But there's this idea that everybody who goes to space and looks down at Earth from space comes back a changed person. Like there's something yeah, there's something right. about looking at Earth from outside of it that like will forever change your philosophy and your idea about like humanity and, and you know, borders and whatever. You know, I, f- I feel like I had a very like the most minute modicum of that feeling while flying over like the earth in this game, which is yeah. really interesting. So first of all, just feeling anything that is like that hard to describe via a video game was kind of a new experience for me. That was pretty shocking. The second thing, and, and I, I don't need to get too into it, but like I found it to be dour in a way that I wasn't expecting as well. There's the, there's this oh. like unbridled optimism when you're playing this game. It's like you can do anything like really like great upbeat music. Uh, you know, they have all these discovery flights. I get to show you the most like incredible places in the world. But then you like hop in a little biplane and you fly over, you know, I, I, I flew over like the Meadowlands in New Jersey, which uh, for for those of you who don't know, is like essentially just this big fucking swamp in the middle of New Jersey. That's like, you know, kind of the border between like North Jersey and New York City in a way. Um, I yeah. would say it's like kind of the buffer Secaucus, zone right? between the two. It's where Secaucus Junction is, which is uh, yeah. you're in my uh, we always describe it as the island from Lost, essentially. <laughs> It's purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. But it's this like big kind of uh, swamp that has been like notoriously difficult for people to develop uh, like buildings and stuff on. And seeing while flying overhead, seeing how much development there is in there, you know, despite that, you know, despite like the environment itself being like, don't build anything here, like just leave this as is, you know, this is like an environmental area, just like let it be like the amount of buildings and like uh, what what is it? The the Great American Mall or whatever the fuck it is like that, that new like gigantic super mall that they've been building for literally our entire lives has like now yeah. opened there. <laughs> Giant Stadium. Oh, it's open now. Yeah. Wow. Giant Stadium is there. You know, there's like so much shit that's been built up there and just like flying over that and seeing all that developed land, how much how much of our earth we've like given up to like roadways and development and buildings and like seeing that from overhead is very different than seeing it like from a car while driving through it. I found like sure. than living yeah. it. Um, and like, I've been in a plane before I've flown over that in real life, but I've never really had the experience of being able to like stop my flight midway and like go into photo mode and just like look down at it for a little bit and like really take it in and think about it. And I found that to be a kind of like sad experience. Uh, it, it, there's, there's a melancholy to flying over hyper-developed areas like that that I wasn't really expecting. There's also sure. a beauty to flying over the areas that are undeveloped, right? Like seeing how much of the area around Mount Everest is just fucking like woods and forests and stuff. Yeah. It's like beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous. You know, there, there's like 
there's there's beauty and there's real like ugly industrialization shit going on. Uh, and that's that has nothing to do with Microsoft Flight Simulator as a video game. It just has everything to do with <laughs> how the earth is currently. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's wild that like the reception of a game is like your game is good, but it also has a weird Venn diagram with just the state of the earth. So yes. I have to bring these things up, too. I think it's I really think wild. Yeah. I, I do personally, because at least that's been my experience playing the game. Of course. Um, I, I mean, it's intrinsically there. Yeah. So you know, because this is like a real time actual model of the planet, you, you just get to see all of the like scars we've kind of like stripped across the earth um, in, in all these different ways via highways and buildings and industrialization. But that said, there is still this like real beauty about like just taking a plane up, you know, 30,000 feet and flying over clouds and not even seeing the earth at all at any point. You're just like kind of floating above all of it, just watching these like gorgeous clouds, watching the sun shine through them and stuff. I mean, the game the game itself is beautiful. And and I, I don't really want to get into this discourse, but I've seen people that are like, I don't really even think it's a game. And I kind of understand where they're coming from in a way. Sure. There's this idea that I'm not totally bought into this idea of the quote unquote metaverse. Like Mark Zuckerberg is like, yeah, Facebook's a metaverse company now. Which like, <laughs> oh, perfect. Cool. Great. Thanks, Mark. Can't wait for that, yeah. Mark. <laughs> um, but like, I, I see this as kind of maybe the the clearest signal of like what a metaverse thing is in real life uh, to me is, sure. is this idea of like we're going to hyper model this one specific aspect of actually living in real life. You know, this is actually what it would be like to sit behind uh, the or sit in the cockpit of a plane and, and and take it off. And you can really feel the differences between different kinds of planes. You could go out and buy like a thousand dollar flight stick. There are people out there who have actually modeled real plane cockpits and fly in that real plane that they've modeled in their own homes in this game. And it is like almost one to one accurate. Um, yeah. Like enough so that I would be comfortable with like ta- letting that person fly a plane if something happened, you know, like. <laughs> You, you, I was going to ask, like, do you think you could fly a plane, a plane at this point after the flight school? No, but I know what, <laughs> but I know what all that stuff does. And, and yeah. just like actual like flight school in real life, I maybe after like a thousand hours in the air, you know, a thousand flight hours, like may, maybe I would actually feel okay about like in a real dire scenario, <laughs> like maybe yeah. I, I'm not kidding myself, obviously like that. I would never actually say yes to that, but like you learn enough. You know, I mean, they, they yeah. it, it reminds me the closest like video game as video game that I feel uh, to this is like Death Stranding in a way. The mm. way that the <laughs> yeah, way that, no, I get that uh, yeah. Kojima Studios was able to like model, you know, the earth or, or like the ground beneath your feet and like the weight distribution of the things on your back and needing to be so sure about like holding down the straps on the left or right side of your body to make sure that you weren't tipping over falling how fast or slow you need to go like that kind of that kind of depth to those mechanics is like really all Microsoft Flight Simulator is. I mean, it it really is like, okay, I'm going to take off. I need to turn off the parking brake. I need to, you know, push the throttle in uh, all the way. So, you know, the 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 uh, speed of my engine is fast enough that I can pick up some speed. I need to be using the left and right triggers to change the rudder a little bit to make sure I'm heading straight down the runway at 55 miles an hour. I need to pull back on the stick a little bit to see if I can take off. And if I don't, I need to gain a little bit more like that. kind. These are the kinds of thoughts that are going through my head now and, and are kind of becoming second nature to the point where like I don't even need to think about taking off as much anymore. Landing, different story. Landing, fucking nightmare. Horrible. Yeah. I, yeah, I keep doing this thing where I keep like crash landing and then trying again and again and again and again, which is that's not how it works in real life. Um, but it's wonderful. <laughs> Give the me game another plane. Do that. I got to try again. <laughs> um, 
But all that said, I mean, the game itself is like stunning. Um, I will say that, you know, just like technically, there are so many issues with it on the Xbox currently. Um, I've seen this echoed kind of all over the place. Whether you're playing on the Series S or X, there are a lot of issues with um, the like world map version, which is kind of what I was describing, like pick any airport to start in, pick any airport to end in. Uh, You can fly from wherever to wherever, even if you start in the air or in the ocean or whatever, like you can kind of you can kind of do whatever you want. I have found that in in uh, most scenarios, if I pause the game at any point in a flight like that, it'll just crash entirely back to the Mm. like main menu of the Xbox. Um, they've been pushing out patches over and over again, which like hypothetically are fixing that and stabilizing it. Um, but uh, the the flight that I did from Orlando to to New York City, I did in one straight shot. I like whenever I needed to get up or do something, I would like throw it in autopilot, which you can do. You have like a co-pilot in those kinds of flights where like they'll just take over for you uh, and keep your heading and your altitude and whatever. So that's been nice. Uh, to be able to do that. But uh, if you pause the game, it just crashes. Uh, all of the discovery flights <laughs> I was talking about were like, okay, you're going to fly over New York. You're going to fly over Mount Everest. Uh, you're going to fly like by the pyramids or whatever. Those are like solid. Those are like rock solid. If you mm-hmm. load in and do those, even if you like deviate, if you're like, all right, I've seen enough of the pyramids. I'm just going to fly over Egypt. I'm going to fly over whatever. You can go forever. It'll keep telling you like at any time you can stop <laughs> flying if you want. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm playing Microsoft Flight Simulator. I'm actually pretty interested in flying. Thank I'm, you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into this. It's <laughs> actually that's why I'm here. I just I love the idea that it's able to load Mount Everest seamlessly, but like going over like Kingsland, New Jersey would be like, what do we do? Crash! <laughs> I can't take the Meadowlands, but any of the world wonders, I got you. Yeah, I did. I did have an issue where uh, I was trying to take off from I oh shit. Where was it? I think it was in Hawaii, and it was like really stormy that day. And I think like just the like trying to render the clouds and the storms and the thunder and lightning and stuff was like completely destroying my. Xbox. It was like the first time I've ever heard my Xbox Series S ever was like, <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> a storm cloud. I had a religious experience when my Series S screamed, "Kill me!" <laughs> as I tried to fly a plane. Um, that said, the, that se- the Series really cool. S is very impressive. I mean, it it, it is yeah. it is like it is it is proof that the Series S is not like a less than like mistake of a console to pick up, which like you, you and I are not on that team, but like that is some of the discussion around the series S is like, if you buy the series, like why are you buying the series S in the first place? Like I'm playing Microsoft flight simulator in 1080p and that's, very impressive at all yeah the series s is by all means a next-gen system it's really just no 4k and less data space basically yeah. like less memory space I should yeah say. oh microsoft flight simulator gigantic video game it yeah, is like yeah. oh, bigger than za yeah by itself uh it's about 100 gigs and then there are world updates that they've done they've done like free dlc content packs that are like okay we went in and like refined the way all of japan works and looks and you can download japan and that's like another 30 gigs you know so at any point you could go download those i think there's like six or seven of them and that is if you did that it would actually fill up your xbox series s and then some like you would need an external hard drive to be able to load that stuff yeah which is the closest i've ever come to wanting to get that like strange like proprietary memory stick that microsoft built (laughs) i'm not gonna do it but like i've come close to you know at least considering it but the series s runs great i mean my primary use for it is game pass and like a lot weirdly it's ironically become like my retro system where like i have like Mm. all because because the game preservation on xbox is like de facto the best of the three (laughs) you can buy just buy anything anything from you know the past libraries 
I've got like a lot of uh, like basically because my 360 stopped working, I've got like all the 360 games I want. I've got like yeah. the old Street Fighters. I've got Skyrim and Oblivion and Morrowind. Like what else do I need? What else do you need? Yeah. Yeah. And then Game Pass is just great. But yeah, do I mean, you need like, all of Kingsland Station in uh, <laughs> New Jersey. Sea of Thieves is a game that I think doesn't get enough credit for being like really stunning visually. I agree. Yeah. And like it looks incredible on the series as like the water and everything. I don't have a 4K TV. So like even with my PS5, I'm not really seeing a lot of that, but it still looks amazing. I'll say so. this much. I mean, as a person who does have a 4K TV and a PS5 and my Xbox Series S and PS5 are like generally usually both plugged into that thing. I'm generally throwing my PS5 into like a 1080p mode anyway uh, to get better performance out of games. Sure. They'll usually have those like performance modifiers um yeah i'm usually doing 1080p with like ray tracing and 60 frames per second or something if if that's an option uh, which has been great yeah the only game i played on either system that i like couldn't believe was happening visually was ratchet and clank, ratchet and clank yeah. <laughs> that totally. was the one that took me like probably until i beat it to be like numb to what was happening visually <laughs> yeah but yeah that sounds really lovely i mean i think um you know, the experience of actually seeing the whole world. Like, I, I, I don't blame you for having that kind of quasi-religious experience. Um, it is shocking. I definitely want to check it out one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, here's the thing. It'll take forever to download. It'll, it, it, take, it takes forever yeah. to download, and then you open it up, and then it's like, we're downloading another 30 gigabytes of this thing once you've opened it. There are constant patches that are, like, gigantic. Uh, so just, like, a heads up that if you want to play this game on your Xbox, it's going to take a really long time to download the thing. Uh, and even when you do that, like I would recommend doing the flight school stuff because it's hard to learn how to do that stuff. But once you've kind of gotten a handle on it, once you've like kind of, you'll know, at least for me, like I knew at a certain point, I was like, I've done enough of these flight school things. I haven't figured out how to land yet. I haven't like taken the landing class, but like I've done enough of these that like, I think I could at least take off and get into the air. And then I I don't need to land to like complete a trip because I'm just trying to fly over places. That's all I'm into. You know, (laughs) Uh, I just want to fly over my parents' house. I want to fly over Epcot at Disney World. Like I just want to do that kind of stuff. And that all works. I'm hoping Za five has like a driver's school because like mm. I was just terrible at driving a real car <laughs> and Zah. But the weird thing is like it's expecting you to drive a car like similarly to like how flight sim is like you actually have to kind of know how to fly a plane to do this. Yeah. Like I mean, I know how to drive a car, but like, you know, the speeds in which you're driving, you actually have to like drive differently. You're a professional like stunt driver in yes. that game. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not it's not so arcadey that you can just slam down the acceleration and take but that's a turn. the thing. Yeah, it's like it's expecting you to have this like slice of realism. But then when you crash into like an old cottage, it gives you like a Tony Hawk score. <laughs> it's like <laughs> cool. One hundred, which is so funny. Yeah. So I feel like that's the perf- that's the perfect balance for me of like a simulation of something I don't actually really care about, which mm-hmm. again, Za is like the biggest anomaly in the show so far that we both like love Forza, but you know, it's Zah canonically in our eyes. Anyway, I would love to play Flight Sim one day. The reason I haven't is because of how daunting it is in terms of like having to like uninstall everything just to do it. And like, I don't know if I'm going to have the same experience truly, but I I am very curious about it. So yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, I I would recommend it. I mean, if, if it's like a rainy day sometime, like, maybe yeah. worth just like loading it up. I'd love to fly to Jersey and see how it feels. Giving it a shot. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's interesting flying over to Jersey specifically, but the uh, two hour flight, not too bad. Yeah. It's not too bad. All right. <laughs> that's uh that's all I got. See you in Newark, Newark airport. I love that place. It's a great time. It's pretty good. I mean, it's an airport, but like, 
As far as airports go, I like yours too. O'Hare is great. O'Hare to Newark is a pretty pleasant experience. JFK is always stressful to me. I always like get lost. I haven't been there since I was a kid, but there were like, like lanes and lanes and hallways in JFK where you just go up an escalator for no reason. I could be wrong, (laughs) but I just remember having to like go up and down for like a long time. JFK is the ascent. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just been a dream I had, but I remember like having to go up escalators for like no reason. Kind of like they'll just be that part of an airport that has like the conveyor belt walkway for like just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, airports. How am I supposed to get around here? (laughs) We should wrap up. (laughs) Hey, dear listener, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you beyond measure. If you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Into the Cast Online has the links to all of our various social media pages and uh, ways to listen to the show. If you like the show, uh, I already told you what to do, but you can also rate it on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) You can back the Patreon, which will give you access to our monthly patron bonus episodes this month yeah speaking of which we should probably yeah i think you're about to do it we should mention what Uh, our patron bonus is going to be this month yeah our patron bonus for this month is going to be a making of the aether type show so we're going to have aj join us and we're going to talk about like kind of more in depth like what the process is of making this show for those who are interested yeah um we've, we've gotten enough questions about like what editing software do we use what kind of mics do we use like um you know, in terms of uh, doing like different chapters for the show and the show notes. So like, we're kind of going to go into detail with that. I think we might touch on like, you know, the creative process as well, but that will probably be second to like more of the technical aspect of it. Cause I think we've already kind of shared a lot of like, we just sort of show up. There's not like a lot of like, when I perform, I hold a skull and look at it. You know, there's not really much going on. Why are you making fun of my skull? (laughs) Brendan has this stupid skull that he consults before we talk about Dwee Wee. Um, anyway, <laughs> what a weird energy today. Uh, so that's going to be our patron bonus. Our monthly bonus for everyone is going to be the Mass Effect trilogy. Beyond excited to do that one. Who's our guest? Our guest is going to be our good friend Tamar Hussein. Really excited for him to join us. I like that he joins us for trilogies. I'd love to keep that going for at least a third time. Tril- trilogies with uh, much maligned fourth games. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> I want to hear Tam's defense for Andromeda yeah. once he uh, shows up. I haven't played Andromeda yet. Maybe I will a little just for that episode. Just I, to, like, touch I on do it. have it. I am considering checking it out just to have like a yeah. baseline understanding of how it works. Uh, I'm currently on three. I kind of like inhaled one and two and taking my time with the third one. I've yeah. finished the trilogy multiple times before, but I'm playing the legendary edition for the first time. Yeah. That was my thing as well. I, I played all of one in like a week and a half and then started playing two. I was like, I need, I need to take a break. And we were also gearing up for the Game Boy Advance thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm just right. getting back to two now. I'm I don't even know. I'm I'm like over 12 to 15 hours in already, which is like why yeah, you're like about a third of the way through it. Yeah, it's a little longer than the first one. It's like I did a lot of the extra stuff and I beat it in like 40 hours. I think you could probably do it in like 30. But yeah, you're yeah. like I'm around. not trying to like rush it. I think is the thing I, re- I really want to like give it its due, give it its time. Um, And uh, I am loving Mass Effect 2. It's so good. Yeah, that's kind of like I'll touch on this more in the bonus about it. But I think like there was part of me that was almost dreading going back to them because they mean talk about religious experience. They mean so much to me Mm. uh, and like really changed my relationships with video games uh, as an adult, which I've mentioned many times, you know, that 
playing two in particular was sort of like a reminder of how much games meant to me as like a medium. Yeah. So I was like, man, how could I feel that way again in 2021? And I felt the same way. So it just has <laughs> cemented how much I love that trilogy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, more on that. That will, that will be at the end of the month. And I think you should already have the Scarlet Nexus bonus. And that was a fun one. Uh, so yeah, that's basically it. If you back the Patreon, thank you so much. Uh, we we really appreciate the support. If you have to pull your financial contribution at any point, don't feel bad. We understand. We don't want anyone to be put under financial strain. But if you back the show, you get those patron bonuses. But the actual bonuses are for everyone. So Mass Effect, everyone uh, making the show just patrons. That's how it works uh, in the world ends with you. The, the anime, at least, there's a character who does say the world ends with you out loud. Oh. So it is it is said. It actually is in a lovely scene. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, I think that that's probably what I'm gonna do with the rest of my day. I'm gonna play Pokemon Unite and I'm gonna watch Twewy. <laughs> it's so bad to say it out loud. I know, I hate it. I hate it, yeah. but I love it. I mean I can't stop doing it. <laughs> the true guilty pleasure is saying Neo Twewy. Yeah, th- this this is a very guilty episode, I feel. Yeah. Uh anyway, let's wrap up. You didn't even we... bring up uh, guilty gear. I was about to, and I, I said, let's wrap up instead. Yeah, yeah. I, I broke the seal. I'm sorry. Let's leave. 10th floor, baby. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. My name's Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. The world ends with you. The world, the world, and the world ends with you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>